0: Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. We discuss five questions in about 10 minutes because leaders know how to be concise. I am very grateful to have Paul Glover with us today as our guest, and he is with Paul Glover Coaching. And Paul, thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast today. What would you like the people to know about what you're working on and a little bit more about you?
1: Well, first, thank you very much for the opportunity, Sean, to speak to you and also to speak to your audience. Uh, something to know about me. Well, I guess I bu- bill myself as the No BS Workplace Performance Coach. Uh, I, don't, uh, I, I actually am a recovering trial attorney, and I've taken that, uh, that experience and uh, turned it into uh, a national coaching business because I believe that most leaders, uh, and and by the way, I believe most leaders, when when you say it's lonely at the top, it really is. It's lonely for one reason, and that is nobody will tell you the truth. Uh, By the time you hear a message, if you're at the top, it's been filtered by so many people that it's distorted. Uh, So I built my business out of telling leaders the truth. Uh, and And I don't come to that relationship with the truth, but I found that by using 360 degree reviews and focus groups, I can very quickly determine what the truth is and also can determine what the blind spots are for leadership. And addressing blind spots are something that I believe is absolutely necessary for a leader who wants to get better. And I tell people the most difficult people to coach are successful people. Because they already have done what's necessary to become successful. The question is always, do you want to get better? And if the answer is yes, then I provide that opportunity. So that's what I do. It's, uh, it is, uh, it's been an interesting career so far, and I actually think that I give value for what I do, and uh, they keep paying me, so I think they agree.
0: Well, I love that approach because you're absolutely right. There's two different kinds of people, those who feel their pain and those who don't, and the the ones who don't um, perhaps uh, need a little bit of a poke here and there. So glad that you're taking that approach. Well, let's jump to our questions today. Let's start with our first one. Um, Paul, if you would, share with the audience an example that uh, you've experienced of collaboration within a team.
1: Absolutely. Well, first, I'm a strong believer in self-directed work teams. Uh, I think that that is the uh, the future of work teams. Uh, And my experience was I was called in to actually do some consulting with a uh, a food delivery company that could not get their their trucks loaded and out to their uh, stores on time. Uh, They had some tight windows that they need to have delivery made and it wasn't working. Uh, And so I met with the uh, met with the crew. Of 150 employees, a union shop, and we had a discussion. And uh, because management's dictate to me was find a solution so these trucks leave on time. That that's the problem. And it's a union shop, and there is actually a piece count, so that they had they were required to pick 1600 pieces a day. But that's all they were required to pick. And of course, it depends on what your your order was as you picked up your orders. Uh, if you were lucky and you got uh, pallets of eggs, you can very quickly hit your quota and then go set in the break room because that's all you had to do. Uh, So obviously that's what stopped the process of getting the trucks loaded because those with larger orders, more complex, took longer. And so uh, when I sat down with the work team, I said, look, uh, let's talk about the problem and this was without management setting there. And uh, it's a union union shop. Can't offer them any more money. Uh, can't, it can't, they're getting paid overtime if they work overtime. And I said, so so how are we going to do this? How are we going to get the trucks loaded? And they said, absolutely no way can those trucks be loaded in that amount of time. We have so much work to do that if we had to pick one more box, it would kill us. I said, really? I said, so you guys really like working in this warehouse eight hours a day? and the response was well no i said well okay then Uh, i think that we may have some common ground here how about if we work at one thing and that is loading the trucks and when they're all loaded the warehouse is clean there's no additional breakage you get to go home and get paid for the full day's work well 30 days later (laughs) i stopped in and there's a, they had a break every two hours. So the last break before quitting time was six o'clock in the morning. I stopped in, there was nobody there except the managers who couldn't go home. Uh, so the reality was the team got together and said, look, we need to work with each other, collaborate with each other. So when you've got an easy load and I've got a hard load, you're gonna help me. So the end results is we all go home early. Still get full pay. Collaboration works if you're able to get the right motivation. Uh, Obviously, there was a, not obviously, but there was a group of employees who decided who did not want to do that. They felt they liked it the way it was and they didn't want this. They wanted to get their opportunity to sit in the break room and not do any work. Uh, well, that wasn't management's problem. It certainly wasn't mine. It was the employee's determination about meeting in the parking lot and saying, if you don't go home with this program, you need to do one of two things, either find another job, or we're just going to beat the crap out of you until you go along. <laughs> I'm not sure that I advocate that approach, but it was effective <laughs> and, and it worked. So, so self-directed work given the proper motivation we will take a process and through collaboration within that team and with management will improve the process. Uh, the issue is we don't know. Uh, so, so that's my, my example uh, of collaboration uh, that worked very well, by the way, just as a, as the epilogue, a year and a half later, the company and the, the union were negotiating a new contract. And of course, Management did not like the fact they were paying employees not to work, right? So what they tried to do was increase the piece count. Going from 1,600 pieces to 2,000 pieces would have accomplished what management wanted without giving them the time off. Of course, then the entire process fell apart and they went back to not getting their trucks loaded in eight hours. Wow, well,
0: that's a great story, and I like how you uh, introduced the, the, the element of motivation and helping people to recognize that there were some better ways of doing things that would be rewarding to them as well. So that's a great example. Well, question number two, <clears throat> excuse me, I hear from other leaders of teams that it can be a challenge to measure engagement. What are your thoughts?
1: That's bullshit. That absolutely bullshit. If you can't measure engagement, you don't, you're not spending enough time with the team, observing the team, paying attention to the team. I, 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 I tell you right away that first, if, if a team is engaged, one of the absolute clearest ways to show that that they are engaged is the fact they will go above and beyond expectations. Engaged teams absolutely will initiate and follow through with whatever task has to be done. They don't wait to be told what to do. They don't wait for an order, they just do it. They see what has to be done and they do it. And they will do it to the best of their ability, which normally means, assuming that they're reasonable expectation, they will exceed expectations. And if you're not measuring that, you're not paying attention to the team. Mm-hmm our problem with this of course is the gallup engagement poll shows that only 36 percent of employees are engaged and by the way gallup gallup suggested we celebrate that it just freaked me out i was like well wait a minute this is only a third of the workforce so what do we do about this other two-thirds that are not engaged and by the way it's not only not being engaged it's that 20 percent that are actively disengaged they will destroy an organization. They're like a virus. They are, I call them the working dead and they will destroy the organization. Not only that, but I believe that they will sabotage actively work against the organization. So, so when we get to engagement first, I believe in the three A's I think there's a very simple process here. First you have to have attraction and I'm not talking about physical attraction. I'm talking about leadership that is positive, enthusiastic, forward-thinking, uh, people-centered. If you've got attraction, you will draw a high performance to you. Uh, you will not draw a poor performance because they don't want anything to do with that. Uh, the second A is, is that you need, to, uh, you need to pay attention. If you're not paying attention to people, don't expect them to perform well. People need attention. They, they need to know that you're in the moment with them. Leadership that is not with their team makes no sense to me. If you're locked away in an office someplace where you don't see what happens on a day-to-day basis, you cannot possibly believe that you know what that team needs when it comes to resources and and, and how excuse me and how they're actually working together. If you don't know that, you can't make the course corrections necessary for the team to perform well. The third A is really easy for me, it's appreciation expressing appreciation for what the team is doing, what's wrong with you? Uh, what you're telling them is you don't appreciate what we're doing. Why will I continue to do something that's not appreciated? So the reality is, I believe that engagement is, is solely in the hands of leadership. And they need to do a couple of things, obviously. First, they need to get rid of the, the uh, working dead, And you know, and, and I know that when they do that, the first thing that they're asked is, what took you so long? But I think there's an unspoken question here. And that is, it took you so long to solve this problem that everybody knew was a problem. I actually am questioning your competence to lead. Mm-hmm. Understand the fact that that every act we take as a leader is under a spotlight. And it's either a positive or a negative. There is no neutral here. If you act, it's going to be one of those two things. And if you're not doing the positive part, the team recognizes that and responds accordingly. Hmm. So back to the the answer, if you don't know (laughs) uh, the level of engagement of your team, you're not engaged. That's a
0: great point. Yeah, I like that a lot. The three A's of engagement. I think those were really great points about how leaders need to be involved with the teams. And I completely agree that if they're not directly involved with their teams on a daily basis, on a regular, consistent basis, and doing those those th- those three things that you talked about, they're not really a leader. They're in a leadership position. They might be in a management position, but uh, they're not really leading the team. So, great comments. Great
1: comment. There's always, I always have a post comment to to a comment. And that is when you go in, and I know you do this, I I can tell you do. When you go, when I start working with a team, there's a vibe, there's a hum to a team. Mm -hmm. And an out. Coming in, I, I don't know who these people are. I can tell you immediately if this is a well-functioning team by the vibe, the feeling that they generate, that that I can feel as a stranger stepping into their environment. So, so the reality is, of course, if you don't feel that vibe, it's not there. Either you're not looking for it, or it's not there. Anyway, sorry.
0: No, that's a great comment. Well, uh, question number three. What is one quality or attribute of a confident leader? Curiosity. Mm, I love that one.
1: If you are not curious about everything. You should not be in a leadership position. Mm. I want to be I, curious about how you're doing. I want to be curious about how the guy next to you is doing. I, I want to, I, you know, I tell I tell leaders, you should be always looking for trouble. <laughs> And you describe, you find trouble, by the way, if you don't want to see it, you can ignore it, but it's there. always look for trouble. But the way you look for trouble is by being curious. Why are we doing it that way? Mm-hmm. Why, why, we, why, why is that process the way it is? Asking the question of the people who are in the process, showing you're curious, you will start getting answers. Mm-hmm. You need to improve yourself. By the way, isn't that what isn't that what a three sixty is? I'm going to ask you questions, and, and I'm curious as to your answer. And, and if you don't if you don't treat feedback as a as a gift, shame on you. I am always stunned by mm-hmm. leaders who who are don't first they don't want to do a 360, which tells me right away. There's problems. Or right. second, if it's negative information, they get upset, defensive. So, yeah. This is a gift.
0: Yep. I love that, Paul. I love the, the aspect or the element or the attribute of curiosity. I could not agree more. I think that's such an important and very overlooked quality of leadership is to be curious about everything Correct. that's going on around you. I love that. I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, question number four. Is there someone that you would like to recognize that has had a positive influence or impact in your life?
1: Oh, Absolutely. Of course, my wife, mm. she is my true north, uh, I am I am a flawed person, uh, terribly flawed. And uh, she has no problem giving me feedback. <laughs> As a coach, it's amazing that, that you don't get more feedback. I mean, I, I guess, if, like I said, people pay me so I assume that it's at least a little positive. But the reality is that often coaches are given that uh, subject matter expert position and people don't challenge them. Uh, and so my wife it's always interesting if she's home, uh she may come in after I have a call and she'll go why were you yelling at that guy? <laughs> you know, don't don't be she said, don't be rude, right? I it's anyway it is she she continually cor- does my course correction for me and I, I appreciate like that. She has the per- yeah, she's the person I rely on.
0: That's great. I appreciate you recognizing her because I am a big uh, fan of guests. I've had a lot of guests, and so many of them do recognize family members, whether it's a spouse, a parent, a sibling, aunt, uncle, whatever it may be. And of course, there's a lot of other people that can influence our lives. We're not trying to ignore all of those influences, but I find it so impressive and rewarding to hear of people that, that uh, recognize immediate family members that have had that impact and that influence. So thank you for recognizing her. All right, Paul, go, go ahead. Nope.
1: She deserves it. All right.
0: Fair enough. Well, our last question.
1: Tell us a little bit about your first job. Well, I, I grew up on a farm. My father was, uh, he worked nights uh, as an electrician at General Motors plant, but he, he also had a farm and I grew up, of course, Uh, working on the farm, and uh, he paid me. But my first job, by the way, he was, uh, I was a, uh, I enjoyed going out with my friends in high school, and uh, sometimes we'd stay a little bit too late, and uh, sometimes we would have been buying too much cherry vodka, for those who remember cherry vodka. (laughs) So, of course, Sunday morning would come, and I would be not be in good shape. And uh, and so the job that I had, that I got paid for, my first job, was on Sunday mornings, I got to go to the barn and shovel cow shit. <laughs> it, it served a dual purpose, <laughs> right? <I can> imagine. <laughs> it, was, it was reminding me that there was a price to be paid uh, for a consequence for your actions. Uh, if you're willing to tolerate the consequences, have at it. But there are consequences. So yeah, that was absolutely my first paid job.
0: You know, I love hearing the guests who their first job was in, in some kind of farming, ranching, outdoor type experience, because they always have these great perspectives on things. So I'm really glad that you shared that. I appreciate that. Paul, thank you again for joining me on the podcast today. How can people find you?
1: Uh, very simply, if anybody's looking for a, a coaching process that might occasionally have a size 10 and a half put up your butt, uh, it's paulglovercoaching.com. Uh, also, I can be found, obviously, on LinkedIn at paulglovercoaching.
0: Fantastic. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. Again, teamencagementpodcast.com. And we also invite you to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can watch the video or subscribe to the podcast if you prefer the audio version. Thanks so much for joining us today and have a great day.